It's great to be with you this morning. It's been about four or five years, and uh, Ruth and I really enjoy coming out here to Clarksville and catching up with you all a little bit. So uh, this morning, I wanted to start by just saying how grateful we are for your partnership with us in the gospel in France. We, we live and work in Toulouse, which is the fourth largest city in the southwest, uh, closer to Spain really than, than uh, either of the Mediterranean or the Atlantic, but you can uh, ask us questions about that if you want. We have a table out in the lobby if you want to sign up for our prayer updates. We'd love to chat with you. This morning, we're going to turn in God's Word to uh, the book of Hebrews first, and I um, assume that will be projected. Uh, the book of Hebrews is, uh, is really an excellent letter that uh, teaches us that Christ is superior to angels to Moses. Uh, he is our, our perfect high priest, both uh, fully human and fully God. And in the book of Hebrews, we have toward the end this uh, uh, chapter that reminds us of the, the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament and, and reminds us that we are part of that, uh, that group of, of people that follow Christ. So we're reading in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 16. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the, the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as in the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And the second reading, that's God's word that we've just heard, and it's uh, given to us to edify us and Correct us and help us to grow in wisdom and stature. Also, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, perhaps a little bit more familiar passage. Now, after John was arrested, I'm reading, uh, starting with verse 14, uh, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the Gospel. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do praise you and thank you for your word, which it speaks clearly of your will for us 
And we pray even now as your Holy Spirit uh, is in, in our hearts that you would uh, enlighten us and help us to understand better your scriptures and help us to retain, Lord, what you would have us for us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. I wanted to give you a little window into missionary life uh, since uh, you have a missionary in front of you. So sometimes we feel like uh, aliens and strangers on earth, neither fish nor fowl, bouncing from one country, our sending country, to our uh, country of service, France, uh, back and forth every five years. I jokingly say that when we get in the car, we can usually find our way to the next church give or take three miles, you know, sort of get lost a little bit on the way. But uh, so in the French context, uh, we kind of eat and breathe all the French culture, secular thinking, their idea that France is the center of the universe, kind of ethnocentrism, their utopian views of uh, society and kind of uh, social positivism, that everything's getting better. this is all secular thinking. Uh, ecology at all costs, uh, vacations being kind of the, the thing that everyone looks forward to, or retirement. So uh, that's what we eat and breathe most of the time. And when we come back to America, it's a, a bit of a, a reverse culture shock. And we go back to France, we, we have another shock going back again. So we, we kind of caught in between the two. And uh, as our We've seen our children grow up. They have two passports and, and uh, they're not necessarily, uh, they don't identify themselves as super French or super American, but something in between the two. And so you find yourself uh, sort of in between countries, in between cultures. And uh, as when we're in France, sometimes we're perceived as curious Americans with funny accent. We don't have normal jobs, but that opens up conversations. And when we come back to to America, people say, where are you from? And I'm not quite sure how to answer, but usually I say I'm from Tennessee because I'm here <laughs> and this is where I grew up. So uh, it's, it's difficult to, you know, when you've spent more than half of your life in another country or several countries to answer that question, where are you from? Uh, and uh, as Christians, we understand uh, that our, our identity is somewhere else and that's what I'm trying to get to. Um, So it's easy to get trapped in what other people think about you. Uh, Rather than keeping your eyes on God who has called you, uh, he knows your name, he's called you by name, and uh, he loves you. So uh, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So often people judge by what they see on the outside, but God sees our heart. In French, we make a distinction between the verb être, to to be, and the verb apparaître, to appear. So there's a difference between what people see on the outside and who we are on the inside. As followers of Jesus Christ, that uh, that calling forms our identity. So this raises three existential questions. The word just means that relate to our existence uh, that we must resolve. First is, who am I? What, what or who defines my identity? Second question, why am I here on this earth, in this place, in time? What's my mission in this season of my life? It's an existential question. And the third one, where am I going in life? Where do I really belong? Where do I feel is home? 
how do I resolve those nagging doubts uh, and discontentment that enters our hearts? So finding our identity and our calling in a living relationship with Jesus Christ helps us answer these three questions and gives us a proper perspective to find personal fulfillment, personal contentment, this side of heaven. But I'm going to dig in now to the first point. Who am I? Responding to the call to follow Jesus Christ. It's a walk of faith. We respond by faith. Abram came from a big city, the city of Ur, from a wealthy family with lots of uh, livestock, cattle, sheep, uh, goats. But his wife couldn't, uh, couldn't bear children. She couldn't have children. She was a beautiful woman. Everyone recognized it, but she just couldn't have children. And she was considered barren. So would Abram, would Sarah let, uh, let that define their identity, who they are as a couple? Would Abram let his ethnicity uh, define the fact that he was from Chaldea? Would he allow that to form who he is? His father, Terah, uh, and, and certainly they had idols and possessions that, that could easily have defined him. Would Abram and Sarah uh, allow this, this fact that they could not bear children uh, define their future, their position in society? Abram had already lost a younger brother, Haran, to death. So he knew that life, uh, long life wasn't a guarantee. Abram and Sarah might have fallen into these traps or these cultural impasses, except that God had a different plan. God intervened and called Abram and Sarah to follow him. Go from your country, from your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. This is Genesis chapter 12. And coupled with this command, God gave an astounding promise. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the Abrahamic covenant or the Abrahamic promise. At the age of 75, that's not a young age, Abram believed the Lord's astounding promise and he obeyed God. By faith, Abram obeyed the Lord and he began this nomadic life, uh, traveling the length and the breadth of the land that God had promised him and his future descendants. I underscore the word future because Abram and Sarah had no children. They just had Lot, the nephew Lot, and he was a bit of a troublemaker. So a few servants and a dozen sheep, dozens and dozens of sheep and goats and cattle. Sarah and Abram, their faith journey wasn't easy. They experienced trouble and at times they didn't fully trust God. And at times they suffered the consequences of their own uh, foolishness. Famine led them to Egypt, and so Abram and Sarah decided to, to lie about their relationship and say they were brother and sister. They were half-brother and sister, but uh, they lied about it, and that got them and Pharaoh into a lot of trouble. God graciously delivered them from Egypt despite their sin. God saved them, and their, saved their skin, and, and even get, let them leave with all their possessions. So, God continued to bless Abram, and he reiterated his promise over and over again. Sarah, 
uh, and their future descendants. Later in their life journey, uh, in, in Genesis 15, God reveals himself again to Abram at night, and he spoke to him. At this point, Abram had started to doubt. Uh, he would, it wasn't the first time he doubted, but he started to doubt the promise because he still had no children. So he, he was, his wife was unable to conceive, and she was devastated, and her husband was hopeless. And, and so he suggested, well, I'll take Eleazar as uh, my servant to be the heir. The Lord said, no, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. God showed Abram a spectacle that starry night and challenged him to count the stars if you can. So shall your offspring be, God exclaimed. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. So have you experienced that kind of starry night uh, revelation from God? Have you uh, had your moment where you've come to Jesus and recognized his call on your life? We remember the New Testament reading. Uh, he, he said to his disciples, follow me. Follow me right now. Leave all that you have and be my disciple, and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus has promised to transform each of us and use us in his kingdom. Jesus said to Andrew, Peter, James, and John, who were fishermen, they, they caught fish for a living. They sold their fish. But Jesus used this play on words to get their attention. Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. I found in my, some of my Old Testament reading that this word fishermen or hunt, hunters is used elsewhere in the Bible. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 16, we find that God promises to send many fishermen and hunters to catch those who are fleeing God's judgment. Interesting, isn't it? But Jesus turns this around completely and he says that he's sending fishermen to catch men, not for judgment, but for salvation. It's sort of a catch and release affair, a transforming men and women. I don't know if you've ever done much fishing, but in our part of the world, there are little ponds and lakes and we, uh, you can fish along the side, but this is posted catch and release. It's not catch to eat, which is what I would tend to want to do, catch them, bring them home, fry them up. But this is a catch and release. And that's Jesus's purpose in catching, uh, catching us or making us fishermen catching Mary and releasing her from her demonic oppression, catching the blind, the deaf and mute, and releasing them from their illnesses, catching Nicodemus and releasing him from his, his blindness to see Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus wants to hook us, catch us, and release us from those things that have kept us in bondage. So this brings us to our second point. Why am I here? What's my mission? Why am I here? finding strength in the daily struggle to walk by faith. So God has called you and me, like Abram and Sarah, to follow him, to walk in faith toward his incredible promise, astounding promise. Jesus has called you and me as well, his words of life, his power over sin and over the, all the addictions that come with our sin. Jesus Christ has hooked me and he's hooked you so that you can serve him, so that you can be saved, and even though we don't deserve it. So this morning, are you a student? 
Jesus, following Jesus will help you learn and grow in your salvation, in your studies. Are you an athlete or a musician? Faith in Christ will give you purpose uh, to, as you perform. Are you a soldier? Are you serving in the army or one of the militaries? Following Jesus will give you strength as you do your duty and honor your country. Are you a parent or a grandparent? Faith in Jesus will give you wisdom as you prayerfully guide your children and your family. Perhaps you're an employer, you have a business, you're an entrepreneur, or a woman that's leading a company. Faith in God will give you success each day as you put Him first. Or perhaps you're, uh, you're an employee or you're looking for work. Knowing Jesus will help you find work and be an excellent employee. God's calling with a big C in your life will guide you into your vocation and uh, your service each day. This doesn't mean that our lives will be trouble-free. Far from it. Jesus promised that we will all face trials, tribulations, and persecutions as we follow him daily. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross. We follow him. But God in Christ will be with us through it all. Wherever you are in your life journey, whether you're in a difficult phase, whether you feel like you're going through the deep waters or the fire, Christ is with you. Abraham and Sarah experienced trouble. Some of it was their own making, and some of it came from the outside. But God in Christ was with them each step of the way. God gives us the clarity of mind uh, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit to recognize when we get off track. The walk of faith is not uh, just uh, always continuous and upward uh, climb. Sometimes we stumble and fall. What happens when you're, when you're in your car and you're following your GPS, maybe on your phone or your screen, uh, and the GPS begins to recalculate? What does that mean? You're off track. You've made a wrong turn. And sometimes the best thing to do, we found, is stop the car, turn around, and go back. Because you missed the turn, and if you keep going, it's going to be a very long detour to get to your destination. So that's what uh, repentance really is. It's simply stopping and turning around, listening to that voice of the Holy Spirit, convicting you to stop and turn around. We can do this with God's help. This is an important part of walking by faith. The disciples of Jesus had to do it, and so do we. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, in one breath, and then in the next when Jesus told him he'd have to suffer and die, Peter said, no, Lord. Those two words should never be together. No, Lord. Peter was wrong and had to be rebuked. In another passage, uh, Luke chapter 9, James and John uh, had a misadventure in a Samaritan village. And they thought, Jesus, let's bring down fire on the village and just burn them up. What does Jesus say? No, you're wrong. That's not my will. And so the disciples had to stop, turn around, and re-engage uh, re their walk with Christ. The disciples of Jesus had some crazy ideas that needed correction. That's true for us as well. So following Jesus means listening to the Holy Spirit, repenting of sin, and it also means uh, believing again, and uh, the, believing again the promise of God, and moving forward by faith. Walking by faith 
in Jesus Christ helps us day by day answer those questions of life, even as we face the future. Third point, where am I going? Where do I really belong? Discovering hope in our heavenly home. So in this passage, Hebrews, we find that, um, that we have a heavenly home that is being prepared for us. The fact that Jesus gave his life on the cross, taking your place and mine, uh, paying for your sins and mine, gives us a clear path and a hope-filled future. Jesus' victory over sin and death makes all the difference. His resurrection, because he rose from the dead, we can expect also to rise again in newness of life, freed from the penalty and the power of sin in our lives. Following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. Following Jesus is the walk of faith in a world where we often feel out of place, neither fish nor fowl, where we feel like aliens and strangers in a foreign land. But with Jesus, we find our true home where we really belong. Ex uh, the expression, the grass is always greener on the other side, I don't know if it works here in Clarksville because it's green everywhere. It seems in Toulouse we have burnt grass usually in the summer, but so often you see a horse or a, uh, leaning over the fence trying to nibble the grass on the other side of the fence because he thinks it must be better. Well, uh, in my experience, oftentimes it's greener on the other side because there's a lot of manure over there. So you get on the other side, you find out, oh, I didn't know why it was so green. So it may not be as, as delicious and as uh, enticing as it, as it looks. Walking by faith in Jesus means being thankful to God for his daily provision, even in the midst of trials. So instead of looking on the other side of the fence or looking somewhere else, being thankful right where we are. As a uh, young person, my, my parents often sang in the car. We would sing hymns. Uh, maybe a little curious, but we did a lot of road trips and sang a lot of hymns. And uh, one of the ones that came up often was um, uh, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. It talks about how we go through temp tempests and trials, and we sing all the verses in Count Your Blessings. We sing that also in French. Uh, and it's, I think, a, a good spiritual lesson to recognize, even though we go through difficulties, even though we have trials, we, if we remember God's faithfulness, we remember his provision, his answered prayers, and we count those blessings, this gives us a contented heart rather than a discontented heart. So spiritual contentment is a discipline that requires wisdom to cultivate. I'm not saying I'm there yet. I'm still learning. Abraham thought that sleeping with his servant Hagar would give him the heir, the son of promise that he wanted. This wasn't God's will for Abram and Sarah. They tried to force the hand of God, which caused them both shame and misery. Even though initially Sarah laughed and doubted the promise of God, God gave Sarah the faith to conceive a child who would be named Isaac or laughter in Hebrew. God gave the promise to Sarah and to Abraham so that even though she was well past the age of bearing children, uh, she conceived and gave birth to a child, Isaac, the child of promise. He was truly a miracle baby. Abraham and Sarah, even 
Isaac, when fully grown, never received everything that God had promised. A great nation, thousands upon thousands of descendants, blessings to all the families of the earth. They didn't see all of that, but they welcomed it from afar. Hebrews uh, reminds us that these men and women of faith all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. This is trying to develop this idea of you know, our, our future, our, our hope in, in this life, and our hope for the future is rooted in the promise that God will fulfill. Their hope was in the inevitable, ultimate fulfillment of the redemptive promise. God had spoken, God sent his son, God did not fail in completing his promise. He, he fulfilled it in Jesus Christ, and he will keep his word to us as well. We do not need to fear the future for ourselves or for our children, our grandchildren. God is working his purposes out for good for all those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We see that in Romans chapter 8, the, the last verse. And also in chapter 8, we know if God is for us, who can be against us? And that should give us comfort as we look and as we walk by faith toward the future. Jesus comforted his disciples and said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And I, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. So that you may uh, be where I am. So Jesus in John chapter 14 gives us that promise that comforts our hearts, that our heavenly home is already being prepared. I'm sure there are other questions, existential questions that may come to your mind that, uh, that you would like to have God answer through your walk of faith. Here we've dealt with who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Where do I belong? I think those are three essential ones, but there are many others that we need to recognize. And we're uh, thankful that, that uh, God in Christ gives us his word and he fulfills his promises to us. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do praise you and thank you for uh, this portion of your word. And we ask that you would allow it to sink into our hearts and that you would help us to be those fishers of men, that you would help us to be like Abram and Sarah who walked by faith not by sight. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to recognize our, our spiritual identity in Christ and our citizenship is in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for these promises that we receive this morning by faith. Amen.